0: You're listening to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Ferguson, certified diversity executive, writer, human rights advocate, and co-founder of the Diversity Movement. On this podcast, I'm talking to trailblazers, game changers, and glass ceiling breakers who share their inspiring stories, lessons learned, and insights on business, inclusion, and personal development. Thanks for joining this special episode of Diversity Beyond the Checkbox in the news. I'm joined today by Dr. Bob Batchelor, cultural historian, award-winning, critically acclaimed author, fellow University of South Florida alum, and the director of public relations and publications for the diversity movement. You may remember him from a special live episode last year where we talked about the controversies of the Summer Olympics. Bob, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Jackie. Before we begin and get into this rousing discussion, I wanted to first congratulate you on the Inclusive Language Handbook.
0: Thank you. Your first
1: book that is flying off the shelves, I'm very happy to to announce. Um, You and Roxanne Bellamy have written a wonderful guidebook for people being able to use inclusive language. I've learned so much from this. I've talked to other people who have learned quite a bit and also another honor being recently acclaimed for being one of the top 5% downloaded podcasts in the world
0: yes i'm and so
1: excited behind the scenes i know the sweat equity that you put into it so yes. it when i found out about that statistic and, and that accolade i was so happy for you because Thank you. You do such a wonderful job. So congratulations it. on these two major milestones. Wonderful things.
0: Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate that. Well, let's get into our topic for today. There's a lot happening in the news right now. And one of the trending stories is Wells Fargo's diverse slate hiring policy. the organization is facing so much backlash right now following a report that their diversity-centered hiring policy was basically a ruse. And Wells Fargo is halting that process altogether until uh, I think the New York Times said that the CEO, um, Charles Schorff, said that the policy was on pause until their hiring staff fully understands how the guidelines should work. Also in 2020, Wells Fargo, they began to require that half of their candidates open the positions to um, women and underrepresented professionals, but if they're, you know, they've got people already hired for these roles, and they're still interviewing people to check the box, right? And so one of the um, their employees came out and and broke this story. It's disheartening, right? So this podcast is called Diversity Beyond the checkbox, but they are clearly not checking the box very honestly and very authentically what do you think about this bob
1: well it's such a deep and complex topic on the surface yeah they're they're trying to check a box there's incredible pressure at large corporations mm-hmm. it's one of the things i've done in the past i worked for one of the largest financial corporations in the world mm-hmm. and though they seem like a large naval warship and the way that they may turn on an individual level things have to turn really fast mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a high pressure so i can understand having worked at a place like Wells Fargo that there is incredible pressure on individuals mm-hmm. to achieve something and it gets distorted it's mm-hmm. a very interesting discrepancy between a guideline and then how that guideline is enacted, yeah. and it's clearly based on power dynamics as you go from bottom to top and and back throughout an organization. Mm-hmm. But this is just a one in a long line of recent scandals mm-hmm. at Wells Fargo. And I mean, I looked at the, some of the details the first bunch of scandals that they went through, that they're still trying to get behind or yeah. get past them, resulted in 4.5 billion dollars of fines, mm-hmm. and they're still being held up to regulators. There are people calling for Wells Fargo to be to be taken apart, mm-hmm. and um, this is something that 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 this corporation needs to address and address seriously. I wouldn't be surprised if there are. C-suite reg- resignations based on this latest scandal.
0: Yeah, you know it's unfortunate because systemically, this is this is one of the issues in our country. People need to have equity in their, you know, finance, um, and that's not just from a banking perspective, but from a an employment perspective. And if they're already hiring, right, the the people that they pick that aren't necessarily diverse, and then going through the motions. I think Wells Fargo really had or has potentially in the future an opportunity to really make a a shift as large as they are in authentic, inclusive hiring, but, you know, that's not required. And, And the issue for me is that, you know, how many people had to kind of push this to the side right it's not just that individual that's feeling the pressure of of hiring but it's also the people that are reporting the data cuz they want to be at the top of these best diversity companies to work for right and it's an issue so how do we address that as consumers you know and and what do you think about that and what do you think about the, the cost to the brand with a scandal this this big
1: well, as a consumer, I can't imagine anybody who's paying attention mm-hmm. is going to choose Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Now, as difficult as it can be to change one's banking, if you have deep regard for diversity, equity, and inclusion practices, you would have to admit that you could no longer do mm-hmm. business with this company. New York City is no longer... Doing business. They're no longer allowing city, um, you know, accounts open through Wells Fargo. And the, the negativity to the brand, the brand value, uh, is just astronomical. It's, I don't know how we would measure the billions of dollars lost, but it's been uh, a practice going on at Wells Fargo. When you look at, uh, Joe Bruno's allegations against Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. He claims that he had been fighting for this policy to be overturned or, or for them to stop doing this Ill- illegal maneuver yeah. for four years. Mm-hmm. And he was fired um, in August of 21. So mm-hmm. we're looking at least halfway through 2017. Right. so, there are hundreds of people i'm sure mm-hmm. or hundreds of times this has ha- this had happened and so part of me just as a thinking human being this it just makes me sad that a company like this that has an opportunity lets it slide through its fingers mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to remain optimistic whenever something like this happens yeah but then you also Look at the good work other organizations are doing, and and truly helping people on an individual level. The effort is so important, but it's amazing that in the 21st century we're still having to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you want to throw up your hands? Uh, by God, the humanity. You yeah, know, the, the that that's that, right. That old quote that is a meme now from um, what, what <laughs> movie was that Network? Yeah, It's just incalculable damages by people who are trying to check a box, trying to demonstrate something that they don't authentically feel. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem for
0: a lot of organizations yeah, right now. Yeah.
1: Individual people. Uh, you, the the authenticity with which you conduct your life versus the demonstration you put on, whether it's on social media or how how you deal with yourself at work each day, um, it's a it's a big challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, as you think about the reputation of a brand and that inauthentic way that they're approaching business, it. It hurts them on so many levels because people who are culturally diverse, do not they don't want to work there. They don't want to patronize the business. They don't want to bank there. If you think about Gen Z, they really care about aligning their values with the brands that they patronize and where they want to work. I, I really think Wells Fargo is going to take a, a big hit for this. But Bob, let's talk about um, Joe Bruno for a second. You know, what you're seeing a lot in social media is, well, why didn't people speak up more, right? And and Joe Bruno tried to speak up um, and was terminated, as you said. But, you know, we have an expectation that people show allyship in the workplace and, and that, you know, they're speaking up and saying this is not OK. And then people get terminated, right? And and there's a real fear of repercussions for for bucking the system. So what advice do you have for how people show up for others and what's right in in the workplace when it's hard?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult questions that we face as individuals. When are you willing to put your value system Mm -hmm. on the line? And so thank goodness for people like Joe Bruno who are willing to to risk it all Mm -hmm. and you know, throughout my career, I just happened to work for some large organizations. And what you see so clearly in large organizations is when things like this happen. Mm-hmm. I've had this discussion with people who teach ethics. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult because on one hand, I could believe, I as any person could believe deeply in X, Y, or Z. But when I see that being thwarted, in an organization, like at the end of the month, I still have to pay the, the electric bill yeah, and I still right. have a mortgage or rent payment, you mm-hmm. know? So it's it's so difficult, but also so necessary. Right, It's essential to the way that we uh, perceive our rights as, as individuals, yet to me, so frequently it just comes down to power relationships, mm-hmm. you know? Bosses say things
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we like to think that we've entered an era in which employees have more power. Yeah. But then we see things like this, and it's completely what what this is is a setback.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's the sad thing. Mm-hmm. Every time a company like Wells Fargo does something so completely out of character, it sets everything back. Mm-hmm. Because then Everybody has to start questioning what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if Wells Fargo is doing this honestly, then you know, we know lots it's happening at lots of other places. Mm. And probably if you and I sat here and, and thought about it for a couple minutes, we probably know people who've been in this position, sure. heard stories about it. So this the exposure is important. But this the consequences, the setback, not just for Wells Fargo, but for everybody who cares about DEI. Mm-hmm. Um, it does signal to certain people that if you speak up, you're gonna get fired. You know, so it can embolden some people, mm-hmm. but it's also gonna make other people more leery about going sacrificing that, their careers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Bob, this latest allegation comes after Wells Fargo CEO came under fire for his remarks about a lack of diversity within the company's uh, workplace because there's a limited pool. This is, quote, there's a limited pool of Black talent to recruit from. Uh, One, it's a ridiculous statement, right? But this is a statement that we hear over and again. So... How do we help recruiting leaders overcome this roadblock?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, those kind of comments come from people who look like me, Mm -hmm. almost exclusively. (laughs) And the way to look at that is there isn't a limited talent pool. Mm -hmm. There is an entire pool of people who have been limited by the system. That's the way to look at it. It's not that they're- It's not that there aren't intelligent people of every persuasion. Mm -hmm. It's where you've been limited because of this socioeconomic Mm -hmm. place that you were born or what you could achieve or the support you had, yeah, things like that. Um, So the the way that we hear this, and we hear it from middle-aged white guys, and, and I just cringe every time, What do we do about it? We try to educate even better. Mm -hmm. Because what you said about um, Generation Z and the Millennials and and Generation Alpha coming up behind um, Gen Z, basically, I would say to an organization, I would say to any CEO, and I've said to CEOs I know, the countdown clock is on. Mm You may have five years to get it right, mm-hmm. but you don't have a, a second beyond that. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, "What about this DEI fatigue? You know, with, mm-hmm. we we got to worry about gas prices and recession and finding employees. And what about you know, is this just a fad?" My answer was five years, because in five years, most of Gen X is going to have aged out of the workforce mm-hmm. or be at the end, the millennials and Gen Z will be the workforce. Yeah. And if anybody out there that's listening hasn't spent time with a teenager lately, mm-hmm. go do that. Yeah. I would say to a CEO, you need to spend more time talking to teenagers mm-hmm. because my teenagers don't see color. Mm. They don't even think about it. Mm. We're getting actually educated in such an interesting way by younger people, because for all the bluster of youth, and, you know, we may joke about that and how, how uh, people, people act in their twenties or their teens that, you know, they age out of it mature. They do see the world differently.
0: They do. Yeah.
1: And the, I would say to any CEO, do you want your company to be thriving in five years? Mm -hmm. You have to change. Absolutely. You you need to step on the gas. Right. You don't need to you don't need to relax. Yeah. George, the distance between your DEI policy and George Floyd's murder mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter, the the longer that goes doesn't give you a reason to pause. Mm-hmm. You need to pick up the pace. Right. There need to be more women in upper management and leadership positions. There need to be more people of color. There need to be more Asians. And I would tell a, a CEO, you have a responsibility as a public figure to take a stand for the betterment of the world.
0: Yeah.
1: We could, we could overcome a lot of the challenges if business leaders use their power responsibly.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, going back to diverse talent you've got to open your networks a lot of the issue is the people that are in your network went to the same school as you look mm-hmm. like you live in the same work with you right exactly right and you've got to be really intentional about coming out of that and and finding and bringing in people that are not in that comfortable network right that's why you can't find talent because you're not reaching beyond that that easy structure that you've got set up for yourself. And with regard to, you know, Gen Z, the, the thing about what you said about seeing color, I think they see color, but they see it in a way that's not biased. Like, like, right. Like, like we grew up with and they're open and their perspective is broader and they have more diverse friends than we did. And so because the world is more diverse, the, their society is more diverse. And so it's it's really interesting, um, you know, that people are still doing this performative dance in the workplace when really they've got to get serious. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you, Bob. We're, we're running out of time for organizations that, you know, really want to do the dance around it and not get into it for real and seriously and intentionally and care about their employees. You
1: can't ignore the problem in front of your face. No, Culture has always been important. Companies that have put culture first have been rewarded in the marketplace. This is a different kind of transformation that has to happen. Mm -hmm. But one day it's like, these CEOs, the C suite people who aren't considering this, they're going to wake up and they're going to wonder where all their customers went. That's right. And
0: like Blockbuster.
1: Yeah, it, they're not going to have an easy answer. Mm-hmm. The, the answer is going to be a, a period of, of falling off that you didn't even see coming. Mm-hmm. And then it just fell apart for you. Right. But you can stop that, you, you can change. Cultures can change. They can change for the better. We, we've we seen it in our work. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it in instances in our lives. Mm-hmm. We see it in our children, yeah. grandchildren, other young people. The, the I agree 100% with what you say, that my daughters don't see these differences the way that I saw these mm-hmm. differences, yeah. and it's better.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And whereas that is... gives us hope. You know, the structure of these companies like Wells Fargo that is not taking it seriously, it's going to be a problem. They're going to end up like Blockbuster, who was not paying attention to the way that our habits were changing as a society. And, you know, that used to be all of our, you know, Gen X Friday night. And now, you know, there's no, there's. I think there's one blockbuster in the United States somewhere. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and the same with when you think about brands, the disruptors. And if I think about um, women's lingerie, right, Victoria's Secret was the, like, premium brand. And but all of their models look exactly the same way. And then you have these disruptors like Third Love and Rihanna's Savage X Fenty that have all these diverse models, all different sizes, all different backgrounds. And they look like me. They look like my friends. They look, you know, and, it's, and that's where you want to shop. And that's what people aren't paying attention to. And these little fake checkbox things that people are doing, it's, it's really going to cost them in the end.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we could pile drive on Wells Fargo, but this is happening everywhere. But I'll yeah. tell you one thing about Wells Fargo. This issue took a long time to bubble to the surface. Yeah. This is this was in the news prior to the New York Times putting this article out mm-hmm. just recently. So this is bad. This is bad for four or five years of individuals where they, they were trying to cheat the system. But what bothers me about Wells Fargo in particular is that a recent investigation by Bloomberg revealed that when people tried to refinance their homes over I think the last two or three years from Mm -hmm. the time the pandemic began to now, 72% of white refinancers were approved and only 47% of blacks. Wow. So that to me, like this is a big issue and it's getting press now, but that should be the front page news Mm -hmm. because you're really hurting people. Yeah. In a, in a really vicious way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you have a policy like that or, or things like that are happening in your organization. So you fill out a mortgage loan mm-hmm. and I'm standing there and I turn it in and the person uh, sees me, you're right. almost double more likely to get it just because of the way we look. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is hurting people directly in the pocket, in the, in their wallet, the, the value of their homes. Exactly. I mean, there's so much historically about financial services industry that's yep. been racially motivated. That's right. Yeah, it's exasperating.
0: It is. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Bob, because it's not just the one thing, right? There, It's not just hiring. Um, and it's not just, let's say it's 100, let's say it's 1,000 people that applied. And, you know, thanks for the interview, be on your way, right? It's, it's the lending. Because if I can't get approved for a loan, and you can, that affects home ownership. If I can't get refinanced, and you can, that affects, you know, long-term wealth. And that's the systemic issue that exists with the inequities in in wealth between someone that looks like you and someone that looks like me and that it has generational effects and and that is the problem and some you know an organization like Wells Fargo again is so large that they can really create the the standard or and create a, a real shift in our society but um, they're negatively affecting it. And, and you're right, it's not just them. But these are the things that, that we aren't necessarily paying close attention to in our society that we need to be. And we need to be calling it out and we need to be saying it um, and moving away from allowing organizations that we work for, that we patronize to be able to do this performative allyship dance. Because it's not about the award. It's about people, Mm -hmm. right? Again, so many organizations are faking this this DEI process or practice or whatever they're calling it um, for, for their organization. But how do we, as job candidates, as employees, as consumers, determine which brands are authentic and which are not?
1: Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that is very difficult because you can find fault with almost every sure. large organization because mm-hmm. you know the system is a vicious capitalist system. Yeah, in which certain people are the sausage makers and certain people are the sausage. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at it in a in a viewpoint of that situation then an organization can always use shareholder value or profitability to pummel what the right thing to do is sure and it's it's we're trained that way mm-hmm. I think the world would be better if we had a little more Buddhism in 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 our natural day to day thinking because the term fail better has been kind of bastardized mm but what it really means is you're you're going to have a very difficult life of, of overcoming suffering. Suffering mm-hmm. is ever present, but you try your best. So when you fail to reach nirvana, you just fail better. You fail better by being as good as you can be individually across a number of areas. It's like being a good human being. Mm. And what what the system forces leaders to do or managers is do things like give an illegal interview to somebody mm-hmm. when the job's already been given because the pressure's on them yeah. that they've either created because they want the McMansion and they want the, you know, the, the Prius <laughs> in the parking lot or something, you know, the BMW, it makes for a vicious system. And there's no counterbalance for being a good human being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you, Everybody at work may like you, but if you have a boss whose thumb is on your head to do X, Y, Z, how do you respond? So mm-hmm. as consumers, how do we respond to these things? I think we have to be kind of like water and flow where we do our research, And we find organizations that most closely align with our values. Uh, There are lots of good organizations and and Mm -hmm. companies out there. There are so many options now with small businesses Mm -hmm. and businesses of one, businesses of five. uh,
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that, Bob. And I think one of the issues as we, you know, and I talked about it with the network, like you, you go with what's easy. Like it's easier to order from Amazon than it is to go find a small business where your purchases really matter. Right? And we have to be intentional about making those decisions and not just you know, going with what's easy, what's in front of us, what we're used to. I I think that's a good point.
1: Yeah, I think that the next type of leader that's going to emerge, what I hope is that the next type of leader that emerges is a person who exudes authenticity Mm
0: -hmm.
1: while being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but also being decisive. Mm -hmm. And I think being authentically concerned with other human beings, Mm -hmm. certainly other human beings that work with and for you, Mm -hmm. is gonna define the difference I think there's gonna be a split. But it's gotta happen across the board. I looked at the, you know, educational background is one way to identify what, you know, where people are at, what they're thinking. I looked yeah. at the, the 18 uh, senior level managers at Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. their education background. Four people with, a, with an MA, one person, or four people with a BA, one person with an MA, 10 MBAs, mm-hmm. two lawyers, and one person didn't identify. Mm-hmm. what they were. So you have to go back to like, so how were these people trained? Where did they get their ideas? Because for people who can go to college mm-hmm. and go beyond college and, and MBA certainly in the business world is a, is, a, is a symbol. Sure. What, you know, as again, as a former professor, like mm-hmm. what are they teaching in MBA programs? I can tell you for a fact, they're not teaching DEI Issues.
0: Oh, absolutely not. They're
1: not te- teaching ethics. No. And so, my colleagues and I used to sit around and wonder, like, how are these businesses by far the most most popular major in America? Sure. Yeah. And they may get you know a week on ethics in mm-hmm. a, in one class or a couple classes. It's so so. How are these people being trained? And could the educational system mirror? the better parts of our nature? Could, mm-hmm. the, could the education system include these pieces? And certainly, that's just one piece of it, one part. But to me, it's, it's indicative of the challenges. If you're not learning it here, you're gonna fall back on things like hiring mm-hmm. your buddy. Sure, yeah. Who worked with you on your way up? Mm-hmm. Who's your loyal lieutenant? Yeah. And your loyal lieutenant probably isn't gonna be a person of color right so these things all play together and it's the complexity of the human experience mm. yeah there are going to be failures like this with Wells Fargo we can only hope that that what emerges from this is a a push a harder push to mm. better individuals and collectively better organizations
0: yeah I mean, I think it's optimistic to think they're going to teach that in schools, considering some of the other things they're not teaching in schools that they should be uh, <laughs> around systemic racism, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we learn all of these competencies in school that have nothing to do with how to engage with people and nothing to do with transparency ar- around your practices.
1: Yeah, then you get, you get, Guidelines, or you get rules, or you get things like edicts from the top, mm-hmm. with so much pressure to do the, that thing, yeah. that you're stripped of any power that you may have. your Your career could be on the line, not mm-hmm. just your job. Yep. Your family's li- livelihood could be on the job, or you know, on the line. Yeah. So, it's it's such complexity. You know, and that's without even discussing the way that, you know, legislators at the state level are undercutting attempts to be more inclusive in classrooms. Right. We could have we could talk for three hours just about that. (laughs) So it's that at every level, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But the world is changing quick. Yeah. I say, I think five years is probably giving the benefit of the doubt. Agreed. I'd say mm-hmm. in, if in five years you have not created a culture that is inclusive, diverse, and equitable, your company will suffer. Mm-hmm. But I think five years is the very maximum. Yeah. You probably only have two or three years to turn it around because the millennials, Gen Z, they're going to vote with their feet. And it, mm-hmm. when the choice is to go work for you or somebody else, culture matters to them
0: absolutely
1: and i mean you're going you know you're gonna need those people it's the the power has been taken to some degree away from the corporations and i don't think it's gonna go back to the way it used to be mm-hmm. like the days of like jack welch and G- ge and yeah. like firing tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. that i don't think that's gonna happen in yeah. You know, regardless of whether we have another recession or not, it's uh, things are different. Culturally, it's changing.
0: Absolutely, and the expectations of people are changing, which I think is is great because our society is changing. You know, I, I think that ultimately we need to figure out as organizational leaders: do we want to have sustainable business going into you know? The, the back half of this this decade and and beyond. Bob, yeah. any closing thoughts?
1: You know, the thing that I would urge business leaders to consider is that your organization does not have to exist. The world does not have to have Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. You know, the Walmart of the 1920s mm-hmm. was a company called Woolworth. Yeah. And Woolworth does not exist mm-hmm. in its Form mm-hmm. now you know, there are still Woolworths in Britain but but the, it's not the same and obviously it's not the largest company in the world right there are history is littered with corporations that did not blockbuster mm-hmm. did not change with the times yeah and you might think that your great product or your great people or your own greatness can see you through this hmm but the, wa- the wave is coming. It's already here. Mm-hmm. Culture matters a lot. Yeah. And it matters a lot to the people who are your future workforce, your future customers, your future vendors. So you're 100% correct. You've got to expand your network. You've got to be authentically active in doing the right thing.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. It's been fun. Yeah, uh, thank you. Unfortunately, the topic was a little heavy, but I enjoyed talking <laughs> to you about it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah we, we need to find the the positives at some point. We need to do an episode on like greatness in DEI, companies, companies that are doing good things authentically for the right reasons.
0: Absolutely. That's a great idea.
1: Thanks, well, thank Bob. You. Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast and share this episode with a friend. Become a part of our community on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. This show was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Jackie Ferguson. Join us for our next episode of Diversity Beyond the Checkbox. Take care of yourself and each other.